Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we're moving our way through Agile Conversations, our new book just out last week. Mm -hmm. And we're up to chapter two, which is all about how to improve and uh, our, our practical steps. We were, we were dissing uh, Lancioni previously because uh, in five dysfunctions for a team, he, of a team, he uh, didn't help us with what you could actually do. And we promise this is a workbook. You can actually do things. So uh, we're, we're uh, not going to rehash all of it. But Jeffrey, wh where do we start? How do we start understanding how we can improve our conversations so our Agile teams are actually successful? and get out of the feature factory. We, we actually start the, the chapter that, um, in talking about conversations. And we, this is sort of carrying on from chapter one. We end by, by making the, the case that uh, conversations are fundamental to how humans relate to each other, that they are uh, conversational human beings. And we talk a little bit about why human conversations are different. Um, and we're not going to talk a lot about them in the podcast. We will link to is uh, an extract that's up on the IT Revolution blog titled Conversation, Humanity's Secret Weapon. And uh, that gets into sort of some of the ideas about why human conversations are different, both good and bad. Uh, good in that we have this amazing power to talk about things that don't actually exist. And this is very different than all the animals uh, out there. A, a lot of uh, animals can say something like, you know, beware of that lion, um, but they, they can't say something like, um, be beware of uh, this fictitious thing that I'm just making up now. <laughs> that, that there's no there's no way to do that, and certainly for humans, that our ability to talk about things that that don't exist in the physical world is is a huge advantage. However, we also have flaws uh, that come along with it, and it's those flaws that uh, show up in our cognitive biases are are what we're looking to overcome, and that's how we we end up in chapter two talking about the sort of strengths and weaknesses of human conversations to to lay the basis that they actually need improving, that our, our naive way of approaching conversations isn't sufficient, that we're, we're misled by our hardware. And um, this is where we'd reference typically the, the classic book on this, which is the thinking fast and slow. Of course, link in the show notes as always, but Kahneman is well worth reading uh, and tells us an awful lot about cognitive biases and where they come from. Right, and then we get to like what to do about it. This is exactly. the, you know now, <laughs> which so what do we do, scroll? What what what? How do how do we get our handle on conversations? Well, of course, we need the four R's. So and and that's our technique for uh, analyzing conversations, making them a first class element of your agile process. And uh, just count along with me. Here are the four R's: record, reflect, revise, role play, repeat, role reversal. <laughs> So there are six of them, but they're the yeah. four R's. Tough. We, we, we wrote the book so we get to um, mix up our maths. But the idea is that um, if you make your conversation an object of study, you're going to have to have something to study. So you have to record it. Then you're going to have to reflect on it, just like you might on your code or on your processes or something else that you're studying as part of your agile uh, development process. You're going to repeat the revision of that uh, reflection. So once you've reflected, you're going to revise your conversation and improve it. And then you're going to role play it and you might reverse the roles during your role play. Those are the, uh, those are the six steps. And uh, conveniently, we recorded a whole podcast some months or maybe even a year ago on 
uh, exactly how to do the four R's. So we won't repeat that. We'll just link in the show notes to uh, examples of how you can apply those four R's. But the basic idea is you need a piece of paper, you need to fold it in half, and you need a pen. That's all the elements <laughs> that you actually need. And then a, a, a lot of patience and, and willingness to uh, to go through the horrible process of learning. Uh, and which is uh, what exactly people aren't going to do. Now mm. we'll come, we'll come back back to this because we we have the four R's and we lay this out in chapter two as the generic framework that we're going to carry through the rest of the book. So mm -hmm. naturally, we do have the the podcast we'll link to. But there's also the book, right? You can you can go buy the book and and read about how to apply the four R's and also then all the different ways. And in, in each chapter, we introduce a different way to reflect, a different way to score the conversation. And, and as you say, we this is um, going to be the the uh, the framework we're going to use for improving conversations that and now though, as much as people like learning about it, you come to the really challenging part, which is it doesn't work unless you actually do it. And that sometimes people don't really understand what actually do it means. It means yeah. picking up a piece of paper, folding <laughs> it in half and writing words on it until your brain hurts. That's the process. It's kind of like writing a book that, yeah. you know, you have to, to write words and then eventually you've written enough of them and you give them to a publisher and they print the book for you. But there's this difficult part where you're actually doing something and it's so easy. And we've seen this as people have started to read the book now that it's out. There's this huge resistance to actually doing the work. And uh, part of the inspiration, referring back to, to last week's uh, uh, discussion and, and the one before about how we got here. Uh, part of the inspiration was our direct experience of first not doing it and, and having horrible results, and then um, actually every few weeks getting together with others and sitting down to go through an actual conversational analysis. I don't know if we would have done it unless we had those meetings booked in the calendar, Jeffrey. Well, I'm I'm going to go further. I, I think I know that we're, uh, we wouldn't have done it. And my evidence for that is, we'll say this, um, how many case studies have we each done since we stopped doing our study group? And, and I'm not going to ask you to answer that question, but I know for me, it's been something that is, um, I mostly do the case studies when I have a new study group meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yep. we, we, we had our initial one, and then I've run ones internally at Tim. I've run one externally at the London Organizational Learning Meetup. And uh, we've done some for some courses that we've done. And I'll, I'll often do a case study. It, this, this is the really odd part. It doesn't take very long. Nope. You and I have done them in the con in the context of doing a workshop. Uh, I know on the I've, board at the time. Yeah, doing it live, and and I've also, as we've asked people um, to prepare their case in the workshop, I've often written up a case uh, of my own. And yet, as easy it is, uh, it's something that I I don't habitually work uh, reach towards, even though I know how to do it, um, because there's some resistance. There has to be some. Uh, real impetus. Now, there are occasions where I do it uh, when there actually is a situation that I'm really stuck on. So I have developed it as a tool in my toolkit, and I'll and I'll I'll reach for it when I'm uh, I really feel the need. But a lot of times, uh, when I even though I know I would improve from doing it, uh, I I don't uh, do it habitually. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say you you called it easy. I would say in easy in inverted commas or in uh, air quotes. <laughs> um, because it's easy mechanically. It's yes. just like you writing a book is easy. You write the first word and then the second word and then the third word. And when you get to the 50,000th word, you stop. Right? That's how you write a book. 
Unfortunately, it's not how it works, <laughs> having written one now. I'm painfully aware that that's not how it works, and that's not how uh, writing a conversational analysis works. What, what, uh, what do you see as the, as the major barriers? What are, what are the hard parts? It's, it's not putting pen to paper. It's not um, physically writing. And it's not the time, like, unlike, unlike the book, like what I found with the book is there's a lot of it. <laughs> so you might have, is a large number. Exactly. Well, you might go and have a day of writing and uh, think, wow, that was great. And you know, you're not almost done. Or at least I wasn't almost done. Whereas a conversational analysis should take, um, once you've practiced once or twice under 10 minutes to write down. That, that's right. I mean, the whole elapsed time, I usually have an aha moment that's going to change how I approach the conversation within you know, you said five or 10 minutes. And even even when I'm teaching it to people who've never done it before, we're able to get through and get really good results in maybe 30 minutes. Yep. So it, even learning, it doesn't take much time, but it, it is hard. And I think there's, there's a couple obstacles to it. Um, may, the first element is that it, it doesn't, I don't think people feel like they need to enough. I think this goes back to the cognitive biases, which is we can, uh, when people come across this, they really understand how it'd be very valuable for everyone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it would be really important for other people to know this. And I've seen this very consistently. If I'm talking to people uh, uh, who are individual contributors, they say, you know what? My boss should know this. I really like the executive team to do this and understand these techniques. Mm -hmm. And then you and I, when we have, have talked to various executives, what's their first response? Get the team to do it. Yeah, great. Come and train them. <laughs> exactly. We, we do frequently, and we're very glad to do it, but we sure say, boy, it'd be great if you learned this too. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so there's this obstacle. Uh, I think this is the, 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 the main one is the question of motivation. What is your motivation that's going to carry you through to doing it? Now, we, we gave a, a hint that one of the things that we used, which was um, the sort of the fear <laughs> of letting other people down. If we've made an agreement that we're going to show up and each bring a case, well, then if I don't do it, I'm letting other people down. And and that that's that's one of the reasons that we advocate for people to try to find other people who you're going to practice with, because that will help give you that motivation. Yep. And, and the second one would be then, is, do people feel like they have a serious enough problem? I think the people who have embraced it and have been more willing to do it are people who were feeling a certain level of crisis. And they, they, they felt like they were in a situation that was untenable and it was sort of thing, well, I, I, I'm, I'm desperate. And if I don't start, if I don't just need to change the situation here, if I don't change the dynamics around me, I'm going to have to quit or I'm going to have to fire this person. It's, it's gotten to that point where it, I, I'm out of other options and I'm on, and I'm out of time. Something is going to have to happen. And as, uh, as much aversion as people seem to have towards actually writing things down and actually reflecting on their conversations when they have something else that seems worse than they're able to, to do it. There you go. And I, I'd say the, the final one is that um, when, once people do it, I, I'm not sure it necessarily feels good. So uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's uh, as you often like to say, learning is horrible. And what you have to do is confront that you screwed up the conversation. That's right. So even even after you've done one of them and you said, yeah, that only took 10 or 15 minutes and I really learned something valuable, it doesn't necessarily make you think, boy, I can't wait to do that again. <laughs> that sounds super. And uh, um, that, that's a, a barrier I think people also have, even if they've got started, the continuing uh, practice, which is what you need in order for these behaviors and these techniques to become natural. 
mm-hmm. is hard to create. It's hard yep. to, to force yourself to do it. That, that's a good point. You know, in our, our friend Benjamin Mitchell, who we've uh, credited in the past about getting us into this, he has a, a brilliant phrase that I really like. Uh, and he says that, uh, that when you do this, you have these moments of searing insight. Mm, yep. <laughs> searing being the important, the important word there. S-E-A-R, like what you do to, to a piece of meat. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's powerful. And, and it's a real aha. And the question is, are you open for that? Are you the kind of person who seeks that? Are, do you want to be better enough that you're willing to have these moments of serene insight? Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a little bit like the adage around uh, um, working out and uh, uh, the no pain, no gain. And uh, I don't want to push that part uh, too hard. This is not some sort of machismo sort of thing, but it's really the question of, again, what's my motivation? Am I willing enough to go through something that's uh, uncomfortable to discipline myself to to actually do the work and and i know for me i'll say that what what for me the motivation was that has led me to be able to do this and i have done uh, more of this practice uh, on, on my own especially in the early days when i was um, practicing all these techniques and what's kept me doing it for example at the monthly meetup is the idea that i want the the problems i'm having i want them to be my fault because if they're my fault, then there's something I can do. There's mm-hmm. something that I could change to make it better. And I prefer that. I would rather have it be my fault than someone else. Because if it's someone else, then I'm kind of at their mercy. They may or may not go learn these techniques. They may or may not change. And if I have to be dependent on them, I really don't like that. This is me. This is a very personal thing for me. I, I really want, I want something where I can have some control. And I want it enough that I'm willing to go and do this difficult thing and, and look for places where I'm screwing up, where I, where I could be better. And guess what? I have no trouble. Even today, after all the practice I've done for years and years, I go and do a case study. I have no problem finding more problems, more ways I could improve. And that's my motivation to, to, to keep doing these. That makes sense. So uh, there's a, a good book on how to form habits and how to get yourself to start flossing, for example, which is not the most exciting or, or, or thrilling experience. It's not exactly searing, but it certainly doesn't feel great. And um, <laughs> that book is by James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits. And I've, I've found that helpful for some of the habits I've, uh, I've wanted to create. And, and one of the things I do remember is that if you show people, for example, who want to, to break a habit, they want to get in the habit of not smoking, for example. And if you show them the negative results, if you print on the package the pictures of lungs full of smoke and uh, damage thereby, um, they tend to smoke more. And the reason is that they feel they feel anxious about it. And what do they do when they feel anxious? Well, they smoke. And so what I like about yours is um, that it's a positive reinforcement, is that you're thinking of something that you'd like to have happen, which is you'd like for it to be your fault. And you, you've managed to train yourself to think of that as positive. And then that prompts you to, to do the action. So uh, looking for a prompt, and listeners may have different ones that have different inspirations for them. But uh, looking for a positive one, I think, could be a, a very helpful one. And certainly for me, going to those regular sessions uh, we had and, and when I was able to go to the London Organizational Learning Meetup, which we'll uh, link to in the show notes, that was a positive thing. I want to participate here. I want to uh, be part of this. I want to learn along with my friends. And that was a positive motivation for me. 
Right. And that, that little meetup has been helpful for other people as well. Now, um, at the moment, it's we're doing it virtually um, because uh, of, of the lockdown. Um, but we will at some point go back to a physical meetup. And then we know that not all of our listeners will be able to join. And so we, we don't always have that available as a motivation to help people uh, make sure they do the case. But however, Squirrel, you told me that you had some ideas about what we could do for our listeners who do want to improve and, and need that sort of commitment device. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing they can do is while, while we're still on lockdown, they can look up the London Organizational Learning Meetup and you could be in, in London, New Zealand or uh, London, North <laughs> Dakota or uh, you know someplace that isn't this London. And uh, I'm sure Jeffrey would, would welcome you. Um, the other is, and we haven't developed it too far yet, but uh, we're going to be announcing it on our Slack instance and on our mailing list. So you can join both of those at um, uh, by looking in the show notes and at conversationaltransformation.com. And we're thinking of doing some live practice, so um, having people come along, bring cases, bring conversational analysis, um, and uh, teaching some of the techniques live. We're not quite sure what that's going to look like, how it'll work. We've alluded to it before, but uh, I'm pretty strongly motivated to, to get that up and running uh, within the next week or so. So uh, have a look on Slack. If you're not in our Slack instance, join it. If you're not on our mailing list, join it. And uh, there'll be some announcements about that quite soon. And uh, I would really love to hear from people. Uh, first of all, I'd love to have you join us, but also like to hear from you if you've heard this, um, you know, our warning here that you need to know, be clear what your motivation is. Uh, are you clear? Uh, we'd love to have you uh, message us and tell us what your motivation is that is to help you improve. Um, that, or if you like, you can go ahead and mail us and say that you're going to stubbornly refuse. Yes, you you like the theory. You just want other people to do it <laughs> instead. So let us know one or the other. Where, which side do you fall in? Are you, do you think this is something that you actually are going to do the work? Are you going to do the practice? Or are you just here for the entertainment and you hope other people improve? Let us know. I'd be very curious to see uh, where our, our listenership is on this point. I suspect people will fall in between those two, and that would be interesting as well. So the, the way you find us, as I mentioned, is on conversationaltransformation.com, and agileconversations.com goes there too, so don't feel like you have to write it down as long as you can remember. Uh, troubleshootingagile.com, uh, any of those get to us. And that, uh, the show notes also have uh, contact information for us on Twitter and email and all the other fun ways that you might want to get in touch. And of course, uh, we also like it if you come back next week. So uh, hit the subscribe button in whatever tool you're using to listen to us. We're, we've been coming up. This is number 120, I think, if I've counted correctly. So uh, we're likely to be around for a while. And we'll continue going through the rest of the book with lots more exciting techniques uh, in future weeks and uh, looking at your questions as well. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squirrel.